multitasking. Uh, last time I, I spoke on the Sunday morning, it was back in May. It's gone very quickly. Um, and we looked at how David encouraged himself in the Lord after surveying the scene of devastation at Ziklag. The focus then was, what do you do when seemingly there's no source of encouragement? But this morning, I want to go back to that theme of encouragement. But look at it from how we encourage each other. I don't know whether you've seen the television programs that are like centred on benevolence. The DIY SOS. Nick Knowles and his team turn up, renovate somebody's house who's been through a traumatic life event or a relative's been through a traumatic life event. It's been featured on the press recently, hasn't it? Of course, Princes Harry and William have been up, they're renovating a row of houses for ex-servicemen. And of course, they go in and they encourage the local tradesmen to go and give their time and efforts and materials to, uh, to the project. Another programme in the same sort of ilk is The Secret Millionaire. Ever seen that? premise of the programme is they put a millionaire uh, from their luxurious home and put them into an estate that's not so nice. And it goes something like, this is John. John's a multimillionaire after selling his internet business at the age of 15. Don't you hate people that have done that? <laughs> no, we don't. We don't hate them really, but there's a slight envy, maybe. And John's there and he's living in, his, uh, in this flat or in this house. And he goes around and he talks to people on the estate and those who volunteer. And he doesn't say who he is. I'm just John. I've moved into the neighbourhood. And at the end of the programme, he goes and says, well, actually, my name is John whatever and I'm a millionaire and here's £10,000 to your, towards your project. I always think it's a bit odd that they never question who's this bloke with a television crew walking around with him. The interesting thing about those programmes, though, is how often the encouragers end up being encouraged themselves. Are there any rugby fans here? Any English rugby fans? <laughs> Keep your hands up, because these are some people that need encouraging this morning. <laughs> I'm half Welsh, but... Um, and they're probably asking the coach to consider and encouraging the coach to consider a new career this morning as well. You know, a, a mother watched her son drain of energy throughout the week. By the end of the week, he'd lost his desire to get her to bed. The alarm would go off. She'd hear it through his bedroom door. And she kept hearing him hitting the snooze button. And after the fourth time, she said, come on, son, enough's enough, it's time to get up. He looked out from under the covers and says, give me one good reason why I should. He goes, well, first of all, it's Sunday. Second, you're 43. And thirdly, as a pastor, you're expected to be at church. <laughs> we all need to be encouraged, don't we? I met with a church leader this week who said, am I here to encourage you or are you to encourage me? And I had a phone call from someone this week encouraging me in terms of speaking this, this morning. We need to be encouraged. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So why, why do we need to be encouraged? Well, a psychologist, Dr. Henry H. Goddard, he conducted a study on the effects of encouraging. He 
his subjects, test subjects with children. And as part of the study, he used an instrument called the ergograph. We've all got one of those lying about, haven't we? <laughs> Which he used to manage, man, measure energy levels. What he found was, when tired children were given a word of encouragement or praise, the graph showed an immediate upward surge of energy. But when the children are criticised and discouraged, the graph showed their physical energy took a sudden nosedive. So we're designed to need encouragement and encouragement in order to thrive. And of course, God knows that because he made us that way. Sometimes, though, over the years, Christians have failed to understand that. And some people have claimed the gift of fault-finding. You know somebody like that. <laughs> One guy came up to the preacher and said, I just figured out what my talent is. And he said, well, what? The preacher said, well, what's that? He said, I have the gift of criticism. The preacher thought on this and said, you know, the Bible tells us about the story of the man who had only one talent and he went out and buried it. And I think that's what we should do with yours as well. <laughs> criticism isn't a gift. Fault finding isn't a virtue. You know, we can often forget, can't we, that encouragement is a gift. Because it seems so ordinary. But it's unfortunately rarer than it should be. And given far less than it should be. It's valuable and meaningful to the recipient. And you could argue it's a perfect gift. Because it can be free. You might buy someone a coffee, but you know, just saying a, a kind word, encouraging word doesn't cost anything. It requires no shopping, no trip to Merry Hill or Telford. You haven't got to wrap it. My brother, I once had a present from my brother. Oh, there's a couple. There's one that was wrapped in tin foil, and the other he'd stapled the, pa the carrier bag together neatly around the present. Um, it can be custom designed. You can encourage someone exactly how they need to be encouraged. It doesn't need batteries. It gives energy. It doesn't take energy. It gives energy. And it lasts a lifetime. Don't be stingy with encouragement. Give it out. Have you ever had the experience of a flat battery in your car? Yeah? Whatever's in the battery, the get up and go in the battery's got up and gone. And usually, quickest way, and it happened to me, couple of weeks ago, pull up alongside another car, hook a set of jump leads up and get it going again. I tried, I've got a Mondeo estate which I was trying to push start by myself. It wasn't going well. Um, but this guy said, I've got some jump leads. So we jumped it off and I drained his battery. I offered, I offered him some money to say thank you, but he wouldn't have it. <laughs> so when we have a flat battery, we draw alongside somebody else and we get a jump lead from their power and the idea of drawing alongside or lending energy to another is the basic idea behind encouragement yeah it rolls open the greek word for encourage is parakalia should we say it together parakalia if my pronunciation is not quite right, forgive me. 
It means to call someone alongside so that you can comfort or strengthen them. And it, it's interesting that in John 16, 7, Jesus made a promise. He says, I will tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am, go- I am going away. Unless I go, the counselor or the parakletos will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So God wants us to parakaleo each other, come alongside each other. And he has sent his spirit as the parakletos, the one who comes alongside us. So God believes that we ha- ought to encourage each other, but he will com- he's committed to encouraging us too. If you want to look at encouragement, just look how many times it's mentioned in the New Testament. Over and over again we're told that Paul or one of the other apostles is travelling to a church to encourage them. One of Paul's friends who had a particular reputation for encouragement was Barnabas. And that name... He wasn't born Barnabas, he was born Joseph. He was named Barnabas, and that means son of encouragement. Barnabas was one of those people that you felt good being around. Do you like those people? Yeah? He he was someone who believed in the potential of others. And if other people were maybe a bit cautious or suspicious of, of people, Barnabas was willing to give them another go. If you're Barnabas, then you can, you've got a powerful influence on others. And the act of being an encourager is a responsibility we all have as followers of Jesus. If you think back to your Christian life, if you're a Christian here this morning, if you think back through your Christian life, who's encouraged you? Last time I spoke, I mentioned... It was uh, someone that Phil Marza said, the, the guy at the church, he'd always have a sweet for the kids when they went there for communion. Morris talked about his old Sunday school teacher who'd encouraged him. I quoted Morris who'd encouraged me as I was growing up. Do you ever ask yourself on a Sunday morning, why am I going to church? Is it because I feel obliged to? Do I feel as though I should? Do I like the music? Do I like the fellowship? Do I like the preaching? You've come on the wrong day if that's the one. <laughs> why, why should I go to church? Well, if you're interested in others, if you want to be an encouragement, church is a great training ground on where you learn to help one another. So when you come in to church, be on the lookout. Perhaps this morning you sat by someone who you don't know. You've not seen them before. Go and introduce himself, yourself to them. I'm if you mind Rachel if you're Rachel I'm glad you came it's great to see you and let them know that are you alright is there anything we can do for you that's why we're here or when this morning we've had some prayer requests we've heard people who are in situations where they're in need listen out to them pray for them during the week write them a note send them a letter visit them encourage them Coming together with fellow Christians and being part of a Christian community encourages each other. It's like, if, has anybody got an open fire? Yes. It's, if you got, is it coal or wood? Either. If you've got one piece of coal, it'll kind of smoulder and then go out. If you put it next to another, the heat together burns for longer than the two combined, doesn't it? You get what I mean? 
Two coals together burn longer. Separate them and they go out quickly. Sadly, sometimes in churches we can have an attitude of what's in it for me? Why am I going to church? What's in it for me? If they're not going to scratch my itch, then I'm not going. Hebrews 10, 10.25 says, Not giving up meeting each other is some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another as all the more, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That suggests that there's another reason for being in community with Christians. It's not what I can get out of the exercise, it's what I can give to others. If we turn to Philippians 2, 19 to 30, we look at another of Paul's encouragers. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Paul was writing this from prison. For I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. From that passage... We need to cultivate an interest in others, a genuine interest in others. Paul was in prison, I've just said, yet he was sending his helpers out. He wasn't saying, I need them. You know, sometimes you get letters from missionaries saying, I'm doing this and I need your help. We need financial support. I need your prayers. This was Paul in prison saying, I'm sending you what I've got because he wanted to encourage the church in Philippi. The Bible teaches us, and it's backed up by psychologists, the quickest way to get rid of your troubles is to become involved in helping someone else. And Isaiah knew that. Isaiah 58.10 says, If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. We need to offer that sincere encouragement to others. Paul says, I have no one else like him, in verse 20, who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Paul had mentored Timothy, watched him grow in his faith. And now as an adult, Timothy had a ministry of his own. And he says, I don't know anybody like Timothy. Paul was encouraging Timothy in saying that. He was encouraging the Philippians about who they're receiving as well. And he's saying, he will come and he's interested in you. He will encourage you. That's the sort of friend that we need to be picking, isn't it? And then Epaphroditus. 
Epaphroditus was from Philippi, and the church there wanting to support Paul had sent him to look after Paul while he was in prison, only for Epaphroditus to, to become ill. That in turn had then caused the church in Philippi to be concerned about Epaphroditus. And they wanted to know that he was well, and Epaphroditus wanted to show them he was well. So rather than staying behind with Paul, which is what he'd been sent for, Paul says, no, I want you to go, because you going to Philippi, it'll leave me short, but it'll be such an encouragement to the people there. As we encourage others, we become encouraged ourselves. As we express appreciation, we become thankful. As we encourage someone to trust in God, our own strength is faith is strengthened. So, how do we encourage others? Well, never underestimate the power of storytelling. In fact, storytelling is one of the best ways to share vision and spread hope. Stories can hook onto people's emotions and feelings. And Jesus used them every day, didn't he, with the parables. When we hear how God's worked in the life of fellow Christians, it raises our hope and faith. If God can do it for them, he can do it for us. And we need to believe that. So, this, this has kind of been a bit of a struggle this morning in terms of pulling it together. I was talking to Rach on uh, uh, Friday evening, wasn't it? In terms of, I'm not quite sure, nothing's kind of quite landed. And there's just a couple of things after that that led me to, to speak on this today. And... I think it was this bit in particular I'm going to go into that needs to be shared. I've said the stories encourage. So let me try and bring this to a conclusion by sharing some stories with you that I've heard from this last week. And hopefully it will be an encouragement. Last Sunday, I was out, last Sunday night I was out preaching. It was a small congregation. I think there was probably about 10 people there. I think I'm probably about 30 years in age. I'm the next youngest member in the congregation. And um, towards the end of the service, thinking this isn't very encouraging so far, but towards the end of the service, they had like, um, you know, like the type of glass you have in the bathroom is like sort of mottled, isn't it, so you can't see through. They got that in their foyer. And I saw two figures around outside, and I thought, oh, the kids are here. The kids off the estate are here, and they'll causing a nuisance. I saw the flowers beginning to shake and go, okay. So when we'd finished, I said, uh, I said to the leader, I said, oh, there's a couple, couple of people out there. And he says, oh, it's probably one of our young folks, probably, uh, probably our, our John, we'll call him John. And he then proceeded to tell me about John, how John was from a messed up background, how he dropped out of school, how he'd vowed never to go into the church, and about how this group of Christians at this church, mostly in their 60s and 70s, had befriended him. It encouraged me to hear just the acceptance I'd shown this kid. You don't want to come in church, John, all right, well, you can come and help me in the garden. You don't want to come in church, John, well, we've got to paint the windows outside. Just simple things to encourage him to know that he was wanted. So now, on a Sunday night, he turns up 
He comes into the church and he'll go and lock the gates at the back because it's dark and he doesn't want the, the church minister who's well into his 70s to be tripping up in the dark. This small congregation runs a weekly kids club and get good numbers to it. If they have uh, like a dedication service because the kids have grown up going to the church, the place is full. I was encouraged. Sadly, though, last week, one of their members had passed away, a lady called Dee. Now, it was the first time I'd been to this church, but I had heard about V. Because four years ago, V had been told by a consultant that she had six months to live. V's response? Black country. Well, I'm very thankful for that doctor. But uh, he'll tell me when it's time upstairs, all right. Four years later, she went to meet with her maker. And last, last week, we thanked God for her faith. Somebody who I'd never met, but I knew the story. And what an encouragement that is. Has that encouraged you this morning? Phil Miles was talking about the trips he's done to Mexico, house building. Still makes me laugh. Phil Miles building a house. <laughs> and how the, the family's building who they're building the houses for, want to say thank you. So they'll buy them takeaway pizza. What's, what's, that's nice, but the thing is, out there, for those families, the cost of a pizza is probably equivalent to a week's salary. And Phil was saying, we said to the organisers, no, no, we don't want them to do this. We don't want them to, to spend this. And they said, they want to do it. They want to give you what they can to say thank you because they're so appreciative. Does that encourage you? Okay, let's bring it closer to home, to Junction 10. We've heard about living water this morning. Years of toil, prayer and planning on the brinks of coming into being. They're serving sugar cubes in Willanall. The, os the osses will love it. <laughs> no, it's encouraging, isn't it? There's lots of things been said about Junction 10 in recent months. I've had messages of people, I've had phone calls of people saying, we've heard this, is it true? At one stage we were going to award for the most outlandish rumour that we heard. As some of the things are just ridiculous. So, let's cut the rumours. Let me share you a few facts from, from youth, Junction 10 youth on a Friday. Life is busy. It's been busy for some time. But currently at work, you know, different things have priorities at different times. And at work, we're now getting to a stage where I've got to kind of, I've been there for 10 months temporarily and it's still temporary, but I've got to start reviewing processes and putting things right. So that's taking up a bit of brain space and uh, it's, it's tiring. So on Friday night when we finished work, I was really, really looking forward to going to youth. Really, really looking forward to going to you. <laughs> but this is, the, this is what God's doing. Since picking up doing the youth with Adam and Rachel, the number of young people meeting on a Friday has trebled in number. Does that encourage you? We meet at Adam and Rachel's and we set the young people a challenge at the start of September. Invite your friends... So we have to find a new venue. 
you're getting over 20 people in Rachel and Adam's front room. One lad, I'm not going to mention names, he had two friends playing at his house after school the Friday before last. And after a while, the three of them went through to the dad who was sitting, watching telly probably, because that's what he loved doing. <laughs> I'm joking. The person who I'm speaking about knows that, so he's, he's having a little titter to himself. No, he went in to, to speak to his dad and said, Dad, my friends want to go to youth, so can you make them Christians? Forget seeker-sensitive, spin Alpha on its head, become a Christian so you can go to church. Of course, we don't stipulate that for youth at, at Junction 10. But you know, what's so encouraging is the lad who's grown up in Junction 10 is confident enough to tell his friends he's a Christian and he wants them to become a Christian too. We usually end youth by going around praying, asking everybody what they would like prayer for. It could be a need, it could be something they want to thank God for. And once everybody shared their prayer request, we then go around and everybody prays. We've had kids who've never been to church before, who've prayed out loud in front of their friends. And this week, we're able to thank God for some of the answered prayers. Some of the kids who'd said last week, we want to get into the sports team. We've got people now in the rugby team, people in the football team. We usually pass around an inanimate object whilst praying so that people know when it's your turn. If you want to keep quiet, if you're a bit nervous, that's okay. But we're encouraging people to pray. This week, one of the kids had bought in a chocolate orange. So we pass around a chocolate orange. With a strict rule, you pray, then you take the orange. We're not going to pray and spray at the same time. You know what? There was exactly the right amount of segments to the chocolate orange for the people who were there. Don't you love it that God looks after the <laughs> tiniest, tiniest detail? <laughs> Poor Zach was towards the end. He was getting a little bit worried, but he, he, got, his, he got a segment too. <laughs> Parents are hearing their children pray out loud for the first time and being encouraged and being challenged that they need to pray too. Be encouraged. Don't be like the hard-hearted husband who after 30 years of marriage had a very tired, exhausted wife. I've had it with you. You never tell me you love it anymore. The husband replied, I told you I loved you when we get married and when I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> so, is encouragement a part of your conversations and actions? Is there someone you know who needs encouragement? Are you prepared today to unleash the power of encouragement? Over the next week, why don't we go out of our way to find three people to encourage? Somebody in family, somebody here today, a stranger. Encouragement is powerful. It's free, but priceless and received. Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, and every day is today. Yeah? By the time you get to tomorrow, it's today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Be encouraged and unleash the power of encouragement. It's in you. It's in me. And it's what will make a difference to the world. Thank you.